0: On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to talk about miracles. Are they still happening today? We've got an important subject, Jacob, because there are a lot of people in the religious
1: world today who are teaching that real miracles occur. Uh, We hear claims about faith healers who claim they can miraculously heal people of diseases. We we know of we've interviewed people who believe they can handle snakes and drink poison and so forth. We want to know what does the Bible say about the ability to perform miracles in the world
0: today. Again, we're not going to look at what we think uh, or circumstantial evidence. We're looking to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Miracles still occurring. That's the subject on the Virtual Bible Study tonight.
2: 1-381- Four, five, six, seven, Or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this
0: edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And it's time for the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March thirtieth, two 2017. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to an important study. Behind the controls, after a week of absence, uh, well, two weeks of absence, Kyle is back. Uh, Kyle, welcome back to the program.
3: It's uh, good to be back. Again, glad to have you back.
0: Glad you're feeling better. And I look forward to hearing from you as well, Kyle, on the subject of miracles tonight. If you're watching us on Facebook, you comments there. We'll be fielding those from Facebook. Also, send your comments in if you're watching us on the live stream on uh, YouTube. Or if you're watching us from our homepage, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, there's a chat window to the bottom of your video feed there. So wherever you're watching the video tonight, sign in with other listeners. And one of the benefits of listening or viewing us live is that you can comment and uh, and have a discussion with other listeners. As we go through the program, we can include those comments in the discussion. But if you're listening to us in the recorded version, no problem there. We can still take your comments. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address you use anytime, whether we're live or not. Uh, regardless of when you're listening to the program, maybe it's several years down the line from now, and you're listening to the program, you've got comments. Questions at collegeview.com. Is the email address to use if you're listening to us live? you want to comment uh, on the phone 877-381-4567. All the ways you can comment, and that because the program is better when you participate. Uh, and uh, you've got some bumper stickers I saw tonight still in your office uh, that yeah. are free of charge. Snail mail your or send us your snail mail to questions at college We'll get one of those in the mail to you free of charge. You can help get the word out there. Uh, with to other folks. That's uh, right. That we'd seen. be glad to.
1: We'd be glad to send you one of our bumper stickers and uh, try to get the the word out.
0: Kyle likes bumper stickers so much he's sporting too, I think, right, Kyle? Yeah, yeah you I get one a you want to of each the flavor. Old ones and yeah, I got one of the new ones. Two though, flavors so. there. So uh, yeah, send us an email with your snail mail address and help us spread the word. All right, talking about miracles on the program tonight. Do uh, miracles still occur? Uh, as you sent out the uh, update to Facebook today, we've got two responses that say no with some reasoning, and then uh, four responses say yes. And so uh, the, the people are uh, uh, on both sides of this issue about whether miracles still occur today. And uh, lots of people believe that they do. Lots of people believe they don't. Uh, but the real thing that matters is what do the scriptures teach?
1: That's exactly right. You know, if if miracles are happening in the world today, then we want to and the Bible says it's true, then we want to know it and believe it. On the other hand, even despite what my personal opinion might be or what my feelings or desires might be for miracles to be active in the world today, if they're not, and the Bible says they are not, then
0: I have got to accept that reality uh and and go with that. And the fact of the matter is there are false spirits and false prophets in the world today. First John four verse one beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. It's possible for folks to be deceived. And uh and well, lots of folks remember Simon the sorcerer? Boy, he had everybody fooled. Yeah. He, that he was working miracles. And, uh, it simply wasn't the case in Acts chapter 8. Uh, really, even some promi- uh, prominent folks in the community, Kyle, had believed. I mean, it wasn't just like the gullible. Uh, it was, uh, it was pretty much an established fact. Simon the sorcerer can work miracles. And the fact was, he sort of pulled the wool over a lot of folks' eyes.
2: Oh, yeah, of course. And I'm sure he was very emphatic and very, uh, like most of these, uh, some people are who are, who he believed what he was thinking
1: and what he, what he taught. So, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was very persuasive. I mean, very. because, but of course, if people want to believe something, it's easier to deceive them into believing. And it I is, think there is a strong desire to believe that God would do something. My loved one is very critically ill with cancer. For instance, I want to believe that God would work a miracle and my loved one would be okay. Right. Uh, so there's a pretty strong desire to want to believe in miracles uh, and so I think, unfortunately, I think there are some people who play upon that emotional desire of people and try to convince them to believe something that maybe the Bible teaches is not so. So that's what we want to look at t- tonight.
0: Uh, all right. So, so, so again, we're not, we've not said one way or the other. We're just saying that we have to be on guard, that we're not deceived. Anyone, if you believe there are miracles, you believe they're not. Number one, you want to make sure that you're not deceived because that is a distinct possibility. It has happened in the past, and it's happening today. Uh, and so d- be careful about that. And the only way you can make sure that you're not being deceived is if you have an absolute standard to go by, the standard of God's Word. And that's what we're going to look at as we try to answer the question tonight. Are there miracles occurring in the world today?
1: So, Jacob, earlier today to our update list, we sent out some questions. We always remind people, if you're not on our update list and would like to be on our list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list, and we will be glad to do that. We sent out earlier today uh these questions. What is the biblical definition of a miracle? Mm-hmm. Number two, did the miracles we read about in the Bible really happen? Mm-hmm. If they did, what was their purpose? How did people in the Bible receive the ability to work miracles? Was the end of miracles foretold in the Bible? Explain 1 Corinthians 13. We'll talk about that. That's an important text. It and it important. talks about something perfect coming. Mm-hmm. We want to know what that perfect was, and then just finally, bottom line, based upon all the that we can uh, discover uh, from the Bible, not from our personal opinion or feelings, are miracles still being performed today? Yes or no? Why or why not?
0: Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com in one of the three chat rooms uh, tonight or we can get your comments there. Again, the program's better when you don't have to listen to us, when folks can listen to you. So share your comments with us on the program tonight. All right. Um, let's start out by talking about what is the a reasonable
1: definition okay. of a miracle.
0: All right. To that question, we've gotten some responses. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, thank you for being out there, Kent, and for your email tonight. Kent defines a miracle as a divine act that transcends natural law. I think that really gets... Quickly to the heart of the matter, uh, a a s-
1: supernatural event, something that defies the explanation, That's a, 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 a natural explanation, yeah.
0: transcends natural law, and supernatural are both the same, saying the same thing that they are a violation of the natural law beyond the, the natural laws that exist. You know, I I, I went online, Jacob, to look for. I just put in.
1: Uh, I was looking for a picture to to put with our Facebook post, and so I said give me a picture of a miracle. You know what came up most often? A baby. A baby, a yeah. newborn baby. Yeah. You know, and uh that's a, that's a wonderful, marvelous, incredible, amazing thing. And yeah. of course, you know, it happens hundreds of thousands of times around the world every day, but I don't care how often it happens. It is an amazing thing and when we've had the experience to deal with that in our own families, it's just wonderful, beyond yeah. almost beyond yeah. description. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's not a miracle. Yeah, uh, doctors uh, know exactly how that process works. Yeah, they predict it. They can anticipate it. They can they can help to to bring about certain aspects of it. Uh, they can even affect the timing of it and so forth. It's a natural process, and we are, now th- there's still a lot about it that I'm sure the best doctors don't understand, but. But it is a natural process. It's by natural law. It's not defying natural law when a baby is born.
0: So a miracle is not just an amazing thing. It's amazing and it's a wonderful thing. And, uh, and it is just incredibly impressive that it could even happen, but it's not a miracle. There was one time when it was a miracle. Yes, it was. In the
1: case of Jesus, born of a virgin, that's a miracle. That's not, that is not that's not what happens. That's not the nation.
0: only time it was a miracle. It was a miracle for Abraham and Sarah as well. Yeah, in when that. they were
1: past the age of childbearing. Right. So, exactly yeah, so, right. So
0: there are times where it has been a miracle, Yeah. but it's not on an everyday occurrence. Yeah. Now, so it's not just an amazing or wonderful thing. Kyle, it's not just a uh, somewhat of a shocking thing. For instance, maybe your 90-year-old grandfather uh, gets in the car and wreck. He gets only... It's a miracle. Grandpa didn't have a wreck. You know, that's not... A miracle. We we use the word to sort looser. of muddy up the, yeah. the uh, term
1: here. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Yeah, uh, the, the Bible is full of examples of real miracles. For instance, right. uh, in, in our Bible class last night here at College View, we were talking about the great prophet of God, Elisha, uh, in the book of Second Kings, uh, in chapter four. He he raised a, a a dead child. He'd been dead, been dead for some time, yeah. And he brought him back to life. That doesn't happen naturally, right? Uh, Uh, In the case of Jesus, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Uh, In fact, he had been dead so long, uh, he had been in the grave for four days. And Jesus said, roll the stone away. And they said, oh, he's going to stink by now. He's been dead for four days. But when they did, and and Jesus called Lazarus forth and he came out alive, That's a miracle. People who've been dead for four days don't come back to life naturally. Yes. I think a classic example of a miracle is Jesus walking on the water. Yeah. When you go out into the water, you don't typically walk on the water. You sink in. Yeah. Jesus was able to walk across the surface of the water. That defies a natural explanation. Yeah. Now, uh That's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about miracles that suspend natural love. We're not talking about great, wonderful things that God does. We believe that God is still active and working in the world today. We had an email comment from David. I think David's in Kansas City. Uh, He said miracles, as defined by the Bible, do not happen. Uh, People call childbirth a miracle, even though it's according to natural order of things. We agree. Uh, But he also says some people assert God's interview, intervention through non-miraculous means. They'll say, God healed me through his providence, or they said, God guided me through his providence. He disagrees with this non-miraculous intervention. He says it's just as erroneous as espousing miracles. And I'd have to respectfully disagree uh, with uh, David on that point. I think the Bible clearly suggests that God is active and working in non-miraculous ways, using the laws of nature to bring about the things that he wants to happen. Uh, Matthew 5.45, he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. The sun rising, that's not a miracle. We know it's by a natural process. Natural law regulates that. It's amazing The the uh, the... Organization and the working of our universe is an amazing thing, but it's not a miracle when it happens.
0: Well, and the other thing, do we believe that God heals the sick today? Do we? Are we wasting our time? In fact, are we sinning when we pray for God to heal the sick? Now, we don't believe he does that miraculously, but can God, through providence, make it? Or do we pray for safe travels?
1: Well, when Jesus taught the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, Give us this day our daily bread. Why would we pray to God to help us to, with our daily necessities right. if if he's not if he doesn't work in that realm to provide us through his providence not right he's not going to give us manna from heaven like he did the the Israelites in the old no. testament but he but he we can pray for him to providentially uh, bless
0: us with the necessities of life. Jesus taught us that we should. How about our rulers? Uh, can God, through His providence, uh, influence rulers that they might make decisions that allow us to live godly and peaceful lives? We were told to pray for that and say, pray for two. That. So if God, if God's not going to work providentially to make that happen, why did He tell us to pray for it? Uh, certainly some things to, now, along David's line of thought though, we have to be careful when we speak uh, about God's providence because, by definition, we can't d- determine. All, uh, yeah,
1: you've got to be careful about claiming God's providence right. because the very nature of providence, you, you can't prove it, it because it, it's it's behind the scenes. It's by natural means. You know, if you tried to convince an atheist that God had providentially I, – I believe that God has providentially blessed me many times. Right, But I'd be just wasting my breath to try and prove that to an atheist. Because he, he would say, well, I, I've known of instances where people who didn't believe in God had similar things happen in their yep. case. Yep. So yep. it would be a waste of time to, to argue that. That's the nature of providence. We're not talking about providence. By the way, we have in our archives some Check past programs on providence, and you can search for those on our yep. archive page. Uh, but uh, tonight we're talking about miracles. And we and, and I think the the right definition of a miracle uh, is, as Kent suggested, defying
0: Uh, natural law. And Mike, I believe, is from Chattanooga tonight. He says a miracle is something that happens that cannot be explained by the natural laws put in place by God. A miracle has nothing to do with emotion, which many people seem to believe. If something really wonderful happens, loved one overcoming sickness or surviving a car wreck, even though it is a good thing, that does not make it a miracle. In fact, many miracles in the Bible actually frighten people. Jesus walking on the water to the apostles in the boat made them very afraid. Paul struck Elamus with blindness in Acts 13, etc. So uh, not necessarily miracles were perceived as... Oh, uh, not always comforting.
1: Yeah, yeah, not always comforting, sometimes scary. All right. All right. That's, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about Thank it. Thank you, that Mike, way.
0: for your comments. I believe Mike's in the chat room as well, and uh, so we'll look forward to hearing from Mike in the chat room. Uh, we're up against a break, and it uh, would be a good time to do that, uh, get our break, and then when we get back... Let's talk about... Uh,
1: the the role that miracles played. What was their purpose? Yeah. Uh, Did they really why? happen? Did they really happen in the Bible? And and I think everybody who's listening will know that our answers
0: to that are is going to be yes. We believe every miracle in the Bible. What was their purpose? All right. Let us know your thoughts and then we'll get to the question. We sort of let the cat out of the bag I think. Uh, our miracles still performing today. We're going to get that toward the end of the program. But you want to stay tuned because the things that we talk about uh, leading up to that will help us to answer that question more conclusively from the scriptures. So don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this.
2: Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this.
0: Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again.
3: Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it.
0: (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that television magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN.
1: I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others' sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The truth cannot be stretched without being ruined. Evil takes giant steps forward when good sits down to rest. Man, wish I'd said that. A
2: streaming Bible study.
1: Why didn't I think of that?
2: Now back
0: to the guys. Back on the program, we talk about miracles and ask the question: Do they occur today? We're going to get to that as we get into the program. We want to talk about what we read about in the Bible, though the miracles we read about there. Comments, uh, send them in the chat room from Facebook tonight. We have some. Uh, Kevin is in, uh, uh, made a couple comments on our
1: Facebook page and. Uh, We always enjoy Kevin's comments from Arkansas. He says uh, a definition of providence is using a supernatural catalyst to produce a result through natural means. Maybe the catalyst, he says, might be a simple nudge. You know, uh, uh, for instance, I'm thinking of when Elijah, uh, just at the conclusion of the great contest with the false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he went up and looked. He told his servants, "Look, look and see if there's a cloud coming. If there's any sign of rain, there wasn't." He sent him back and back. Finally, the the servant said, "Well, there's a uh, his hand." And he said, "You better go tell King Ahab to hurry home because he's coming a flood." Yeah. Paraphrasing, of course. Yeah,
0: I don't think he said like, coming a flood. That
1: was uh, not
2: the
0: dialect
1: of the day, but yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it's not a miracle when it rains, right? But in that instance, I think God probably did providentially cause. What causes a rainstorm to to organize? Well, typically there's some difference. I uh, talked, uh, uh, emailed back and forth with uh, our friend Aaron uh, uh, several months ago. Typically, when a, a rainstorm begins, it's it's a pressure differential, uh, uh, high pressure, low pressure, and they work against each other. And and when they do sometimes a, a rainstorm. Well, that may have been it. And maybe God caused the pressure to drop in a certain spot there so that rain would form. But there wasn't any visible super a violation of supernatural law in the process. I think that would probably be a case of God providentially acting to cause the rain to come. Uh, I mean, what happens? A cloud forms and rain falls. That's what happened in the case of Elijah, although it clearly was
0: produced uh, as an act of God. All right. All right, Kevin, thank you for your comments tonight. Again, send in your comments. Not too much activity in the chat room tonight. We need something to change there in a hurry. So send in your comments in the chat room. All right. So miracles in the Bible, did they really happen? I, I want – if if people will, will not
1: uh, – Take anything else away from the program tonight than this, I want them to know clearly that we believe every miracle recorded in the bible we believe them literally exactly as they recorded in the Bible. We are not doubters about Bible miracles. There are people who are you yeah. know there are and I think typically we would label people as modernists who want to come up with some naturalistic explanation for every bible miracle I've heard them, for instance, say. Jesus walking on the water. Well, Jesus just knew where there were some very shallow rocks heading out in the direction where the disciples were rowing their boat. Of course, you'd have to know where a lot of rocks were because they were a good distance off from shore. But, you know, he wasn't really walking on water. He was just walking on some some rocks that were just below the surface of the water. I heard once an explanation that there's some kind of extreme weather phenomenon where ice can form almost instantaneously on a body of water, and maybe that's what happened, and actually there was a sheet of ice, and Jesus was walking out on the water across a sheet of ice. Well, what they're trying, they're trying desperately to come up with a natural explanation to do away with the supernatural miracle as recorded in the Bible. We're not doing that. Right. We are absolutely not doing it. We believe every Bible
0: miracle. We believe them literally just as recorded in the pages of Scripture. Alright. 877-381-4567. Questions at com. We might want to reiterate that. Did they occur? Yes. Did they, are they real? Yes. Every miracle in the Bible. That's along the lines of what Kenton in his email says from Calhoun, Georgia. The miracles recorded in the Bible did indeed really take place. The Scriptures make it clear. That uh, Okay, he goes on to talk about the reason, but he says again that they clearly did take place as they were mentioned in the Bible. Well, the follow-up to that then is why? For what purpose did they occur?
1: Uh, why did Jesus raise people from dead? Lots of people died during the very time that Jesus was alive and on earth and doing, doing his miraculous deeds. But he didn't raise very many. Uh, why didn't he? why did he raise the ones that he raised right well we we believe that miracles were for the purpose uh, for instance the miracles that Jesus worked were for the purpose of showing him to be and confirming him to be the only begotten son of God the promised messiah that the prophets of the old testament had predicted would come into the world so miracles were for the purpose of revealing and confirming something from god and i think that i think that can be stated categorically over all the miracles recorded in either the old testament or the new testament miracles were for the purpose of revealing and confirming something from god
0: all right eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com. we mentioned acts chapter eight before uh... talking about simon the sorcerer notice uh... that uh... Um, in verse twelve of acts chapter eight uh... Um, Uh, They believed uh, Philip uh, because of the the miracles, I believe. I'm I'm looking here. I've I've got the wrong reference, I believe. But they both, they saw the miracles and they, and it caused them, uh, to, uh, believe. Yes, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Uh, the, the, the signs were confirming and that's still not the passage I'm looking for. Uh, but, uh, the idea was that when people saw the miracles, they would then have confidence in the things that were being taught well
1: in mark chapter 16 jesus said these of course jesus had already died was resurrected was about to ascend to heaven but he said these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so then after the lord had spoken to them he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of god and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Yeah, there's there's the the very idea that we're talking about. What were the miracles for? They were to confirm the word that was being preached. You, you know, we we take the things contained here in the New Testament. Right. Very. I mean, it's just we take it for granted. Right. We've always had we've always had the Bible. We've always read. We've always believed right. the Bible. But when they were first preaching this message uh, back in the first century, it was a brand new thing. Right. Why, why should people believe them? Right. Uh, the miracles served as a sort of a badge of authenticity. Well,
0: and you would have to have it. Let's say Kyle comes blowing into town, and Kyle says, you know, you guys, you got to stop your lying, and you're cursing. Kyle? Kyle, we know. him. Mean, Kyle just That's just sh- Kyle. We I mean, know
1: Kyle forever.
0: Or, or he just came, where's he from? of some kind of strange guy? Some bum that just came to town? telling me, I got to do something. But Where in the world? But now, if, now if Kyle can uh, take my arm that's withered and 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 restore it, or take my uh, my aunt that's blind and 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 she can now see, well, I'm going to start listening to what Kyle has to say. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, in Hebrews chapter two, verse three. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Notice they spoke. They spoke this word. The word was spoken first by the Lord and then confirmed unto us by them that heard him. And God bore witness with signs and wonders and various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit. God was confirming. message was being revealed, and these miracles were the confirmation that it really was from God.
0: And here's the passage I was looking for in Acts chapter 8, when Philip goes into Samaria, verse 6, the multitudes of one accord. He did the things spoken by Philip. Why? Because they hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So there he was teaching. He was confirming and backing up the things he did with the miracles. And therefore... People were believing. Again, they didn't have a Bible they could go to. They couldn't say, you know, Philip's telling me I need to be baptized in order to be saved. Where's the proof of that? Well, he did the miracles, and so I'll believe that. Yeah. They couldn't go to their Bibles and say, well, 1 Peter 3.21 backs up what Philip's saying. Acts 2.38 backs up what Philip's saying, so I'm going to be baptized. They couldn't do that, so they had the miracles to confirm. I think
1: you got a little more there from, from uh, Kent do. on the purpose of miracles. Yeah, he
0: says the scriptures make it clear that the design of, uh, and purpose of such were to confirm or demonstrate validity or truth. Mark sixteen seventeen through 20, as you mentioned. Yeah. During the earthly ministry of Christ, he performed many miracles to demonstrate his deity. Following the establishment of the church, the apostles of Christ and others miraculously gifted Christians performed miracles to demonstrate and/or confirm that validity of New Testament Christianity. There are only two means. Of, uh, okay, he's going on to talk about how it was transferred. Then, but it was to back up uh, the um, the things that were being said. And contrary to what we see in the world today. The purpose of miracles in the first century wasn't just to make the lives of people better. Right. Uh, in, in fact, there were instances where even
1: people who were in close association with the apostles, who had the power to work miracles, uh, they didn't. For instance, in Second Timothy chapter four, uh, which we think is some of the final words penned by the apostle Paul, uh, in Second Timothy 4, verse 20, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Now, wait, 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 wait. Well, why'd you leave him there sick?
0: Why didn't you heal him? All you him? had to do was hit him in the forehead. he would have been better. Yeah. No, he left him there sick. And, you know, he even uh, prescribed some medication for Timothy in 1 Peter 5, verse 23, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Why in the world as much as Paul thought of Timothy? Wouldn't he have healed Timothy instead of giving him, uh, prescribing him some medication?
1: On Facebook, Kevin says, miracles are definitely real. The money that some folks use for a miracle diminishes the power of true miracles, those miracles that were used, the, the miracles that were used to confirm truth. I think that's right, probably right. You, you know, the, the miracles of the New Testament were so significant. That to use the word in the loose way that people do today actually diminishes the significance of the real miracles that were performed in the Bible. Uh, uh, on Facebook, Sandra here in Columbia says, I have never seen a human being today do the kinds of signs and wonders that Jesus and the apostles did. And I think that's right. One of the things is is so notable is the contrast between what people claim today right. and what the Bible actually describes as happening back in those in those times you know I, I i've been to a number of faith healing rallies through the years i think it's valuable experience because you see this contrast so clearly and so faith healers today w- might heal somebody of headaches yep uh, i don't know you know i can't see a headache before and then they claim there's a healing i can't see a headache after now i, I understand headaches are real things But it is, it's not a visible healing, and so I wouldn't be able to confirm or deny that a miracle had occurred when a faith healer says that he can, can, can heal a person who has headaches. Right. But when Jesus raised a dead man, or when he cured a person of leprosy, or when he, when he restored a withered
0: hand, a person who couldn't walk, never had walked, could walk again. I can see that. About, I could confirm that. How about the miracle that uh, was occurred in, in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John went into the temple to pray in the ninth hour? Verse 2 of chapter 3 tells us about a lame man that hadn't been able to walk since he was born. He was born lame, and he wasn't just some kind of stranger that was a, some kind of stage prop. They had seen this man. He was carried to the gate every day, the gate of the temple every day. Yeah. People knew. That's old Joe. Joe hadn't been. He's there every day. He can't walk. We know Joe. And now he's up. He's jumping around and leaping. And they know for sure that a miracle had occurred. All right. So we're we're, we're at a point for a break. But the the first
1: thing that we want to sort of tie together here before we go to the break is, The miracles of the Bible served a purpose. Now, do we need that? Is that purpose still relevant today? Do we need truth to be revealed from God and confirmed by him? No, we don't need that because Jesus promised his apostles that within their lifetime, all truth would be revealed in John 16, uh, verse 12. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. To the apostles, Jesus said, you, you, apostles, are going to be guided into all truth. So all truth was revealed back there in that first century time frame. I don't, I don't need new truth. All the truth has been revealed and confirmed. I heard uh, an example uh, that miracles served a purpose in that early infancy of the church. Sort of like when we're building a building, you erect scaffolding around a building when you're erecting the building because you, you need a platform to work from while you're constructing the building. But when the building's finished, you take the, the scaffolding away. You don't need it anymore. And that's sort of a good way to view miracles. Miracles were for the infancy of the church when God was still revealing his truth and confirming it to mankind. But once it was finished, once that truth was finished and com- and confirmed, the miracles are not needed for that purpose anymore.
0: And we need to reiterate the purpose of miracles was not just to make sick people better. It wasn't just to make food for people to eat. It wasn't just uh, to make people's lives better. Now, certainly it did make their lives better. Certainly the hungry people that were able to take of the food that was uh, made there miraculously, that was a benefit to them. But that wasn't the primary purpose of the miracles that we read about in the New Testament. The purpose was to reveal the truth and to confirm the revealed truth of God's word. We're going to get a break, and when we get back... We need to continue with the discussion. We've talked about what their purpose was in the New Testament. Should we still expect them today? You know? and,
1: and how? And, and the thing we want to go
0: to immediately upon coming back from our break is how did people receive these miraculous powers? Yeah. And we still have the question: Should we still be looking for miracles today? You ever seen the sign on the church? Come expecting your miracle. Yeah. Should we be coming to church expecting our miracle, or maybe not? Let us know. Sign in the chat room and comment. Don't go anywhere. We'll get this week's bullet point and continue right after this.
2: Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's just more that exciting Bible that just... study after
1: this commercial. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Surely you've seen them, those drivers who are so busy talking on their cellular phones that they sit through a green light or ignore some other important traffic situation. The topper to this is when you see a driver talking on the cell phone and eating a sandwich all while driving their car. Driving is a serious activity that demands our devoted attention. Things like cell phones and sandwiches tend to distract us, making driving even more dangerous. When two or more such distractions are added together, watch out. The likelihood of an accident is significantly multiplied. Now, make a spiritual application. Living life in this world is a very serious activity. It demands our undivided attention. The problem is that we too often allow ourselves to be distracted by the things of this world. When that happens, a spiritual accident is sure to follow. And we're not just talking about the sinful things that can distract us. Certainly there are plenty of those. Wickedness abounds in our society, and we are confronted with multiple temptations every day. Constant vigilance is necessary. But more than this, there is the danger that we will get so busy with our day-to-day affairs that we might forget what our main pursuit is supposed to be. Our jobs, our family, our recreation, and a host of other things, not sinful in and of themselves, can crowd God out of our lives. Add two or three such distractions together, and you're simply a spiritual accident looking for a place to happen. Be careful. Stay focused. Quote, reach forth into those things which are before, and, quote, press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
0: My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. In our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study.
2: We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program.
0: We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, miracles, and we want to hear from you. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out more about what we believe, what we practice, where we worship, when we worship, and uh, you can find out how to contact us. And that email address is questions at view. Dot com. If you've never been to our website, I encourage you to take a minute and go out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you've never corresponded with us, we would encourage you to do that. Just send us an email. Let us know you're out there listening, Questions at com. And if you have any question or a, bi- a biblical topic that you'd like discussed in this format, uh, we love your topic suggestions. It, it, could, it doesn't have to be an hour-long topic. It could just be a simple question or topic. We can include that in a future edition. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Talking about miracles, do they still occur today? We're
1: seeing several people on our Facebook page, too. I see Steve and Jenna in Texas. And, hey, hello, and uh, Jenna. Our friend Nestor Sanchez
0: way down Nestor. in Chile in South America. He must be having insomnia yeah. tonight. He says he listens to the program when he's having trouble going to sleep, and that does the trick for him. Well, maybe so. Yeah, so Nestor, maybe you're already asleep. But if you're not, uh, hola as Nestor. <laughs> uh, all right. So we
1: talked about the purpose of miracles, and we believe that purpose that miracles served, so vital, so absolutely critical, but it's completed, it's finished. We don't we don't need miracles for the same reason they were needed back right. in Bible times. Right. So that'd be argument one that we would offer it to say that we don't think miracles are occurring today because they're not needed today for yeah. the purpose that they served back then.
0: Yeah. Uh, That that purpose has been fulfilled. And Philip asked an interesting question. To the question, are miracles being done today? He asked, are the lepers healed today? Are the dead raised today? Are the multitudes fed with a few loaves and fishes? Well, Uh, that that answers the question. That goes, again, to the contrast between what some people are claiming
1: today and the real legitimate miracles as recorded in the Bible. I think you're right, Philip.
0: And he also references John 20, verses 30 and 31. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you, you may have life in his name, hence showing that all truth has been revealed. I think that's exactly
1: right. And again, that's a great passage, stressing the purpose of miracles.
0: Do I need to see Jesus walking on the water to know he's the son of God? No, I've got it recorded. Do I need to see Jesus feeding the multitudes to know that he has the power to do that and that he is the son of God? No, it's been recorded. Do I need to see him raise someone from the dead? No, I've already seen that in the scriptures, and so I don't need to see it again.
1: Real quickly, let's go to a second argument, Jacob, as to why we think miracles have ended. I think this is a more technical argument. And so uh, we have to follow it closely. There were two different means by which men were empowered by the Holy Spirit to work miracles in the New Testament. One was by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We we read of that in Acts chapter 2 when the apostles on the day of Pentecost were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in tongues. We read another instance of that in Acts chapter 10 when Peter was called the house, to the house of Cornelius who was a Roman soldier. He was a Gentile. And to Cornelius and his household the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit as the apostles had been on the day of Pentecost. So, the Holy Spirit came through Holy Spirit baptism upon the Jews representatively in the case of the apostles on Pentecost and to the Gentiles representatively by virtue of Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter 10. But actually, those are the only two instances where we read of Holy Spirit baptism. We believe that people, we believe those few individuals were baptized with the Holy Spirit and had a miraculous ability that followed, but beyond that, we don't know of any others who ever received We believe the Apostle Paul likely received the Holy Spirit baptism, but we don't, that's not even recorded in the Bible for us.
0: And from the circumstances, we can see a reason why that occurred. And it was a sign. In the case of Cornelius, it was a sign that God had uh, made provision for the Gentiles to be uh, brought into the church and to erase the relationship with God through Christ. Yeah, you know, on the day of Pentecost it served as a sign to those around that something unusual was taking place that that, uh, that these uh, apostles needed to be listened to yeah. uh, because of the of the sign that was there. And
1: it was a promise. Holy Spirit baptism huh? was a promise right. and it
0: was promised
1: to specific individuals not to everyone. Right. And so um but here's the interesting thing we think that there are only those very rare instances, as we mentioned, uh, where Holy Spirit baptism took place. But we think now it's not happening because in Ephesians, excuse me, yes, Ephesians 4, verse 4 beginning, Paul said, there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. So by the time Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, there was only one baptism. Right. Now think about that. On the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, there were two baptisms. Right. There was Holy Spirit baptism, but there was also baptism in water, which was commanded in Acts chapter right. 2 verse 38. Right. So in Acts on the day of Pentecost there were two baptisms. In Acts 10, when Peter went to the house of Cornelius, there were two
0: baptisms. Because they were baptized with the Spirit, then he commanded that they be, be, be baptized with water. Right.
1: But by the time you get to Ephesians chapter 4, there's only one baptism. And the question is, of course, which one is it? It's got to be one or the other of those baptisms. Well, in the very next chapter, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, it speaks of the Lord sanctifying and cleansing the church with the washing of water by the word. Water baptism. Uh, So... Again, we believe that Holy Spirit baptism took place only to a few select individuals, only for a specific purpose. It did empower them in working miracles, but it never was for everyone. It was only promised to a few, and it happened, but it's now ended. There's only one baptism remaining. It's the baptism in water for the remission of sins. Holy Spirit baptism is not happening today. That part of it. So if I wanted to be able to work miracles today, I couldn't get it through Holy Spirit baptism because it's not happening. Right. Now there was another way that that people were empowered to work miracles and that was by the laying on of the apostles' hands. In in Acts chapter 8, uh, you already referenced earlier Jacob, Acts chapter 8 when Philip went down to Samaria and he preached to them and he worked miracles. Now the question would be uh in in Acts Chapter 8, verse 6, the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake,
0: hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. How would Philip have been able to work miracles? Well, you go back to Acts chapter 6, when he was chosen to be a servant there in Acts chapter 6, the apostles laid their hands on him in chapter 6, verse 6 of Acts. Right. So Philip was one of the ones who had the apostles' hands laid on him.
1: Uh, Stephen was another one. Stephen is, goes on right there to record that, uh, Stephen was working miracles. Acts 6, But immediately after the, laying on the apostles' hands, Acts 6 verse 8, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Actually, that, that's the first instance where we read of anybody doing miracles except the apostles in the book of Acts. The, the apostles started working miracles in Acts 2. You don't read of anybody else doing miracles until Acts 6. When they laid hands, when the apostles laid hands on these individuals and they received that power. So, Philip, one of those men who received that power by the laying on of the apostles, he goes to Samaria. He preaches in Samaria. He works miracles to confirm the message that he's preaching. It says in verse 12, uh, when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So, uh, they were baptized with water for the remission of sins. But in verse 14 says, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word, they sent it to them, Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered money. You know that story. So here's here's the sort of technical part of this to follow. The apostles laid hands on Philip. Philip could do miracles. He went to Samaria and he did miracles. But it's clear that he could not pass that on himself. It was necessary for the apostles to come to Samaria And they laid hands on the people to receive the miraculous gifts of the Holy
0: Spirit. The apostles had to make a first century road trip, if you will, to make this happen. It wasn't something that could have happened uh, remotely. They had to lay hands on them. In fact, Simon, you know, he's pretty perceptive here. He notes in verse 18 that it was the laying on the apostles' hands that made this possible. It wasn't something that just came to every believer, so much so that he was willing to pay money to have the ability to do this. It wasn't just something that happened by default. He was he he wanted to pay for it. What can I do to get this?
1: Exactly right. All
0: right. Now, what's the conclusion you would draw
1: from that? Well, if if that's just sort of like a maybe a simple way to describe it as a one generation pass, the apostles could pass it to Philip, but Philip couldn't pass it on to anybody else. What's that tell you then? When the apostles were dead and gone, that ability to pass on those gifts died with the apostles. So if I wanted miracles today, I couldn't get them by the laying on of the apostles' hands. The apostles are not here to lay on hands. And so here's the conclusion, the total conclusion, second argument, why there are no miracles today. Holy Spirit baptism is not operational in the world today, and there are no apostles around to lay hands on people. You can't get miracle, you can't get miraculous power today. There's the
0: means of impartation are no longer available under the new testament uh, covenant uh, that is what we see now look in uh, what kent says from calhoun georgia he says uh, there are only there are only two means by which those within the first century church could perform miracles and we're not talking about the old testament here we're talking about the first century church he says, the apostles of Christ perform miracles upon the basis of being recipients of Holy Spirit baptism, Acts 1, verse 8. Those in the church who were miraculously endowed could perform miracles upon the basis of having such abilities conferred upon them by the apostles of Christ, Acts 8, 14 through 17, and Romans chapter 1, verse 11 he references. It's interesting to note that while the apostles of Christ did bestow miracles, miraculous gifts, on various members of the first century church those who were the recipients of these gifts from the apostles of Christ could not confer them upon other Christians thank you for that Ken I think Kent's right on the mark there all right we need to get a break when we get back we still we got, have we a break. got to
1: look at 1 Corinthians 13 a very important passage in regards to this question about miracles by the way I got a note in on Facebook from our buddy Nestor Sanchez and he says i am here listening to you this moment by Facebook good uh, thing he you. says thank you
0: so uh, hola you know, hermano, Nestor. Yes, and glad to have Nestor here, and uh, we're glad that you're here as well. We wanted to hear from you. We've got to get one more break and go to the top of the hour. When we get back, First Corinthians 13, I think this is going to make the final uh, point that we want to make about whether miracles are still occurring today. We haven't finally answered the question, should I come to church expecting my miracle? What about that? Do I need to? Is something going to happen here expect my miracle? We'll get that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff.
2: Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this.
3: I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the Virtual Bible Study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual
1: Bible Study. The United States is one of only 10 nations that allow abortion after 14 weeks of gestation. Only four countries allow abortion for any reason after viability. Canada, North Korea, China, and the United States. According to a 2009 poll, only 7% of Americans think abortion should be allowed at any time of pregnancy for any reason. But that, of course, is precisely what the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision mandated in all 50 states. Women are less supportive of abortion than men. According to a 2010 Rasmussen poll, 53% of women believe abortions are too easy to get compared with 42% of men. Likewise, 58% of women believe abortion is morally wrong in most cases. 48% of men agree with the same statement. That information is via Abuse of Discretion, the Inside Story of Roe vs. Wade by Clark Forsyth. The Word of God says in Isaiah 59, verse 7, Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood.
2: Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world.
0: The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Do miracles still occur? We've got a lot of ground to go in a short time to get there tonight. Um, we need to know, what do the scriptures teach Are miracles still occurring? Again, because you can't be deceived. Simon the Sorcerer was good at it. There's a lot of folks doing it today that are seen. Dece- Benny Hinn, boy, can you believe that? Kyle, can you imagine? I mean, fill in a stadium that with is, the shenanigans yeah. that he's doing. That's
2: his uh, entire... Ministry, and if you want to call it that, that is his entire ministry: is going on stage and laying his hands on people and just doing his healing in whatever manner he heals. That is his entire
0: ministry. So, yeah. certainly, it is possible to be deceived. What do the scriptures say? Are they still occurring today? Well, we made two arguments. I think they're powerful
1: and conclusive. One is the purpose of miracles is is not needed any longer. Secondly, the way to receive miracle-working power is not available to us today. Thirdly, is that the Bible itself actually predicts the end of miracles. I want to start with a quick Old Testament reference in Zechariah 13. The Old Testament prophet Zechariah in chapter 13 beginning verse 1 says, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Now, stop there for a minute. What's he talking about? He's talking about the coming of salvation. Right. Uh, a fountain for sin and for uncleanness he 's talking about he 's talking about the the coming of the messiah and the, and the preaching of the gospel of salvation right now he says in conjunction with that, what would happen? This is zechariah thirteen verse two it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land; they shall be no more remembered, and also I will cause the prophet and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. They're not going to be prophets. And prophecy was one of the gifts, Part of, of the, the, gifts. the miraculous gifts of right. the Spirit. And so in the time frame of the coming of salvation, through the promised Messiah, there was going to be an end of God working miraculously. Uh, Zechariah 13 tells of that. Now, I think the passage that we rely on most heavily in this regard is 1 Corinthians 13, beginning verse 8. All right.
0: First, let's read now, it. Now, everyone knows the first part of First Corinthians about love, what it does, and certainly yeah. a, a, a worthy study. But it goes on. And that, and that, that discussion about love is in the bigger context of miraculous gifts. Uh, look at the, uh, the preceding uh, Ch- chapter, chapter.
1: Really, chapters 12, 13, and 14 of First Corinthians are all talking about
0: the use of miraculous gifts. All right. So in that context, we're talking about miraculous gifts, and it goes on. Yeah. So First Corinthians 13, beginning verse 8 Charity never faileth, but whether
1: there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. I think here Paul is using three specific gifts as a representative sampling of the gifts. Prophecy, speaking in tongues, and knowledge. Here I think he's talking about revealed knowledge, divinely imparted knowledge. Not knowledge in its general use, but the idea of knowledge that God supplied by inspiration. Right. So he says, and he goes on, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. So again, I think... Paul is talking about a time when these miraculous spiritual gifts would come, and, and they were going to end when the perfect came. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, uh, "When that which is perfect is come, then that which is but, so the gifts were for a time of partial things." They didn't have full knowledge of the will of God. They, the, God's revelation wasn't complete yet. He was He was in the process of revealing it. That's why Paul would say, "Right now, it's like looking through a glass, darkly. But then, when this is when the perfect is come, we're going to be able to see like face to face. I'm going to be able to know just as I am known." I think he's talking about I can know myself like God knows me. God knows my heart. He knows everything about me. How does how what does God think of me? I will be able to know just exactly what God thinks of me when the perfect is coming. What's he talking about perfect? He's talking about the completed revelation. When this completed revelation of God has been made, we won't need the partial things anymore. We won't need the partial gifts of prophecy and revelation. Uh, We won't need the speaking in tongues to confirm the word when the revelation is completed, we won't need those things anymore. We already—that's sort of the very idea we were talking about earlier. The purpose of miracles will have been performed. That's
0: right. Um, now uh, these things are going to be done away. Yeah. When the that which is perfect has come. Yeah. Uh, the but
1: interestingly, when the when the perfect was would come, he said there would still be three things continue to abide. The gifts okay. would end. But faith, hope, and charity would continue. Yes. After the perfect came, you know, a lot of people want to say the perfect there is Jesus, and that the gifts are going to continue until Jesus comes back. Right. But that doesn't fit. No. Because uh, when Jesus comes back, we will not need faith and hope anymore. No. But Paul said, when the perfect has come, these partial things will be done away. But faith and hope and charity will abide. I think that proves that the perfect is not Jesus. We're not going to continue with the gifts till Jesus comes, because when Jesus comes, faith and hope will be gone.
0: They'll be gone. There'll be no more hoping for Jesus's return and for a home in heaven. We'll have that. We'll have received it. There'll be no. Uh, there'll be no more faith. We'll have. Uh, we'll have sight there, and so the faith and hope will be gone. You can reference Hebrews chapter one, uh, verse. Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, for the definition of faith, you'll find that uh, faith will be gone when Jesus returns. Uh, and 8, verse 24, to find out that hope will be gone when Jesus returns. Now, it's interesting language here. That it talks about, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Uh, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. Same language that's used over in James chapter 1. Talking about us looking to the revealed word of God and using it as a mirror. Yeah. In Romans one, I mean James one, verse twenty-five, he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Is not a forgetful here, but a, a doer of a work. This one will be blessed in his deeds. It's For, called
1: the perfect law of liberty.
0: Perfect law of liberty. It's it, 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 like looking at his natural face in a mirror. Verse twenty-three, uh, he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So if we look into this mirror of God's word, that is. Not a dim mirror now. It's, we can see as we are seen. We can know as we're known. Uh, we then have God's completed revelation. And it says here that when that time came, when we have that revelation, when we can't look in that perfect law of liberty, then there would no longer be a need for miracles. We're,
1: we are just out of time. Quickly, Kent's email uh, is right in line with what we were just saying from First Corinthians thirteen, eight through 13. Uh, he says... 1 Corinthians 13, it shows a contrast between temporary miraculous gifts uh, and the more excellent way. The perfect is the completed, perfect New Testament revelation of God, James 1.22. Ephesians 4.13 places a time limitation upon miraculous gifts. In verses 11 and 12, those gifts would last only till the church came into the unity of the faith. The term faith in the passage speaking with reference to the system of faith, the word of God. And so his conclusion is miracles are not being performed today. Uh, for the reasons stated, no longer need them. The means by which they could be imparted are no longer available.
3: Yep.
0: So I agree totally, Kent. Thanks for your good email. Mike and Chattanooga. know the purpose of miracles was to show the power and authority of God while establishing a church that has been completed, and thus miracles are no longer necessary. Much like the construction of a house or a building, once that is completed, the construction equipment and materials can be taken away because they are no longer needed. And we missed a comment from Kay on Facebook tonight. Kay says, no, they do not uh, continue to occur that happened. They happened to teach the word of God to people, and today there is no need because we have the word to do that. I do believe that in the grace of God and his providence that is working all the time, which seems like a miracle sometime, but according to the scripture, they ended when this church began. Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles so they could spread the word and have proof of it, and that was the miracle, and Jesus did miracles to prove things. Uh, but like I said, we have God's Word today to do that. Thank you. We,
1: we got several comments uh, on Facebook uh, from Patricia, Lisa, Martha, Bess, uh, suggesting that they did think that maybe we could still be looking for miracles today. I hope that if you came to our study, and that's fine, Well, I hope you'll seriously think about the reasons we stated why we think the Bible teaches, not our personal preference or desire or opinion or emotion, but the the Bible teaches that there aren't any miracles happening in the and again, world. Again, it's day.
0: possible to be deceived. We need to go to uh, something objective, the standard of God's word, to find out if miracles still occur today. We've looked at scriptures that show uh, that they are not occurring. But if you disagree or you have comments you'd like to share with us, we welcome that. We'd love to have uh, an opportunity to have a discussion with you on email or if we could even do something face-to-face. Questions at collegeview.com is the way you contact us. With your comments and your feedbacks, or even your disagreements, we want to hear those uh, uh, from you. Let us know. Send us your thoughts. All right, a good discussion tonight um, on an important. Uh, thank you for uh, the discussion, tonight, Dan.
1: I think it's I think it's an important subject, and, and people sometimes are confused by it. But
0: I think the truth of God's word is pretty clear. All right, Kyle, thanks for helping us get on the air tonight. Good to have you here.
3: It was good to be here. Let's, good do, it, let's
0: do it again next week. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. We hope you'll be here next week. And uh, in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired word the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
2: Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of 18 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931 931- or for more information on the internet visit collegeview.com be sure to tune into the virtual bible study this time next thursday for another informative study of god's word